This episode of Bullshit Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for being a supporter of this podcast during these strange times. Today we have our boss and uh, editor-in-chief of The Athletic, Craig Custitz. We talk about all the things you want to know about the NHL, which is, do you know anything? Let's find out. And Greg and I talk about the proposed NHL draft rules and how possibly ridiculous they are. Uh, all right, let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Oh my god. Hey, Bush. Welcome to the week of the Bush Breakaway. I'm your host, Ryan Mead. I am diagnosed with something. I'm of the athletic. Greg, say hello. Yeah, another week of paradise. Here yeah, we we'll, we'll keep that opening. It's went flawlessly. Best open I've done in weeks. Um, Speaking of not knowing what we're doing and anyone's doing, well, I guess let's just get straight into it. The NHL hold a uh, held. Held a commissioner board thing today where the all the members got together and talked about how they would talk, uh, perform the NHL draft. Pretty much what they came down to was anybody not in the playoffs would be in a lottery and you could only move up four spots. The Rangers being 13th could only move up to 9th. They said they might use the lottery lots from the last time there was a lockout. At that point in time, the 13th spot would have a, around a 0.8% chance to move up four spots. Um, the Rangers are likely picking 13th in the NHL draft if they do go ahead with the draft proposed plan. Now, uh, it already came out that that is not set in stone. And by the next time we podcast next Tuesday, when this comes out, um, that might not all, it might already have been totally, you know, done with. So they, they will take this till the end of the week or early next week. But as of right now, um, there will be no trades. There will be no uh, of picks or, or players and they will do the draft before the season ends and it, it's pretty obvious they can't figure out what the hell to do yeah and they shouldn't be able to figure out what the hell to do because the draft should not be the first thing you figure out when you're trying to figure out the fuck you're trying to do with the rest of your league year it's stupid it, it's utterly stupid to try and plan a draft without first addressing what you're doing with the rest of the regular season then addressing with what you're doing with the playoffs then addressing what the hell the salary cap's going to be, and then you can start addressing the draft. But it, it, it can't be sooner than the fourth thing you address. The fact that we're even talking about it right now, all it is is a money grab. The NHL wants to put something on TV to get um, to check, a box, check off some boxes for their TV providers. That's, that's what this is. NHL wants money. That's all this is. It feels all, it feels strange. It I, I I was I spoke to a friend earlier. I know that was weird speaking to friends, but doesn't it feel like okay? So the N the NFL is huge, gigantic, and some people were watching even day like four. Was there four days? Whatever the fifth and sixth Three round days. of the draft. Like I believe you to be one of those people. Because we're craving sports. Oh, I didn't watch. No, I didn't watch day three. Okay, but I knew I knew some people who did. The NHL doesn't have the same grasp on the nation that the the NFL does. And I don't believe the quote unquote ratings that they would, they would get from this would really be all that great. It feels like they're rushing to get any attention whatsoever before any other sport comes back for, for really almost no reason. Some of the, like a lot of these people don't know, including me, by the way, like, I don't know any, I think we played when we did the, uh, the COVID fundraiser for, uh, NYC food banks. Like we played a game where how many prospects can I name in next year's draft? 
And I think the answer was like four or five. And I still think it's that way. Like, I, I don't know the draft prospects like everyone else. And I don't think the average fan would either. This isn't like with college basketball and college football. You know who these players are. It's a little bit different when it comes to hockey, even if you're a hockey fan. Some of you out there are saying to the, you're whatever you're listening to this on you right now. You're like, Ryan, I definitely know. I'm, I'm a real fan, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I, I respect that. Like, I know a lot of baseball minor leaguers that a lot of people wouldn't know. But in this case, like the average person who would be watching this would want to tune in for probably the draft trade intrigue or what is their team going to do? And then they would just tune out after the first round. This isn't what the NFL did. And it feels like if you're going to have the draft, you have to cancel the season first. There's no reason to have it before the playoffs. There's just zero reasons. There's no reason to have it if you can't conduct league business during the draft. And for the sake of what the NHL is trying to do here, they're not conducting league business without allowing trades. You're not really, what, what are you doing? The, the, there are teams, the devils have multiple first round picks. The Rangers have multiple first Ten. round picks. Yep. The, the senators ha- are going to have two picks in the top five. What's the point of these teams having these picks if they can't also use them as trade capital? The I'm sure when the New York Rangers specifically, since this is a New York Ranger podcast, if, if we were going along with a normal offseason plan and we knew what the salary cap was going to be, we had an idea with what players were going to be available, we had an idea what contracts Ranger free agents would be looking for, we had all these things that we normally have even at this point in the offseason. Usually by May, we have an idea as to what the Ryan Stroms, the Tony D'Angelo's, the Jesper Fosts of the world would be seeking on their next contract. We don't know that now because we don't even know what the salary cap is going to be. But if you're the New York Rangers and you have in all likelihood what, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? If the Rangers probably have the 13th pick and like the 23rd pick, if you're the Rangers, I would have given you five to one odds that they draft at both those spots because they have other holes they need to fill glaring holes for a team that fancies themselves a playoff contender next year, or it needs to be a playoff contender next year. If the Rangers, if the Rangers were going to sit down and actually draft twice in the first round, I'd be utterly floored. I'd be stunned. This is something you've been talking about for months, by the way, you've been, you've been beating this drum for a very long time. Well, just look, look at, Look at recent history. The Rangers had two first-round picks going into the draft last year, and they traded one a week before the draft in order to get Jacob Truba. You're going to sit here and tell me they weren't going to do something similar this year? You're nuts. You're you're utterly nuts. This team has needs, needs that can only be addressed on the trade market because they don't have a whole lot of cap space. They have guys they need to sign, Tony D'Angelo chief among them. If they want Ryan Strom or even a Ryan Strom-like player, you're going to need money for him. Alex Georgiev needs another contract, right? Or, All or needs to be need traded. To be or needs to be traded. Like, that's that's still an option. That's still in play. The Rangers weren't going to enter draft weekend without resolving what the hell they're doing in goal, without resolving whether they could or could not re-sign Ryan Strom, and resolving whether they need to address what, it, what trades were out there for left-handed defensemen that they could bring someone in. You're, you're basically, you're nuking a team's plans. And the Rangers aren't the only ones again in this situation. The the Rangers aren't getting especially fucked. There are plenty of teams getting fucked. The Toronto Maple Leafs needed to make moves. Teams that don't own first round draft picks that want to get back into the first round 
to get a specific player. They need to be able to make moves if they want to. The Vancouver Canucks of the world, the Tampa Bay Lightnings of the world. What are we doing? What what is the the only point of this? Look, more people are going to watch the draft this year because there simply isn't other things on TV, right? So the casual hockey fan who normally wouldn't watch the draft but read a draft summary article the next day probably watches the draft this year. They don't they don't need to know who Lucas Raymond or Quinton Byfield is. They don't need to know these people. They just want to be entertained. And the NHL wants to put a product on TV that isn't the rerun of a 2012 Stanley Cup run or something like that. They want fresh content to keep meeting the bottom line for the NBCs, for the TSNs, for all these TV uh, providers that have deals with the NHL, right? The NHL wants to make a buck. That's why this is happening. Everybody saw the success of the NFL draft, and now they want their own draft. But the NBA is doing it right. The NBA canceled the combine. They're postponing the draft lottery selection. Well, yeah, the NBA doing it right. Like, come on. That was obvious, right? But that's just it. It's like with the NHL. It's almost with the NHL that we expect them to fuck up. And then when they fuck up to a, a catastrophic point, that's when we finally get frustrated with it. Like, we're not surprised that the NHL is handling this fucking poorly. It's not a shock at all. If I had to guess what league was going to fuck up during the coronavirus outbreak, the NHL, 20 times out of 20, every time, without fail. It's the only league that's fucking up. <laughs> well, uh, baseball, I, I know you saw the report, or at least the tweet, rather, from uh, right. Tre- yeah, Trevor. Already debunked. Good for Trevor Plouffe. Yeah, good for Trevor Plouffe. He was a league average third baseman for the Minnesota Twins. Good Al- for him. Al- already debunked that they're not coming back July. Keith already tweeted that. Uh, I-, I wonder how many times other people are going to fight out for that one already. Not, not but- just that. It's just his plan said all teams would play in their home ballparks. Do you think New York City is going to be open by July 1st? Is it time for our presenting sponsor? <laughs> what? Where are the tests? Until there is testing pre- presented by Blue Shirts Breakaway. Yeah. yeah, did you see last week tonight? Last night? No, I didn't watch yet. I will be. Oh, it is. It all it is is about testing, and it's just it's not it's not good, Ryan. We're not opening anytime soon. I uh, it's really all you got to hear. My, I we have been uh, sick ourselves in, in the Mead household, um, so we've been playing on the down low because we are not in the best state of mind. So forcing our way through here. Not sure what's going it's, on. It, Hopefully, we get results just, when yeah. you know the test takes seven days. So <laughs> Every, we'll see. It, it's just nuts. By the time by the time you get the test results back, you might not even have it anymore. Yeah. If you had it in the first place. Yeah, we have no idea. That's not a good system. No. I, I don't want to look. I, yeah. I know people come to us to talk about just sports, and I get that. And I would like to talk about just sports, and I don't want to be a broken record on this podcast because every Monday night, Tuesday morning, depending on when you're listening, mm-hmm. all you're going to hear is I don't want to hear shit until there's testing because that, it's just that simple. Right. It, it, and it's the sad thing is, Ryan, mm-hmm. I, we've been I've been yelling at you about testing for five weeks now and we are no closer to it. Remember once remember when this all shut down, we thought there would be mass testing in place by May. That yes. was that was a real that was a real thing. We all believed It is May 4th. Ryan, we are no closer. It's no close. It, it, I know. And I don't. I, I will watch the last week tonight thing. I've been staying away from the news of recent for my mental health reasons and for other reasons. Um, imagine working in news. I write 17 coronavirus stories a day. Yeah. It's I, driving me insane. I can't even imagine. I, and I know that's, you know, you are probably on one of the more informed people when it comes to at least what's being reported out there because you literally work in it. So you have no choice. Um, that's not your fault. It's just, 
I, I had to take a break for a couple of days because I wasn't um, feeling too hopeful. Let's put it that way. Uh, but let's talk about the Rangers a little more first, shall we? Um, yeah, I, I just to put a bow on the draft. Mm-hmm. We both agree, right? Well, I don't want to put a just, bow on it yet because I, I don't think I don't think the Rangers get as screwed as people have put it out to be. I'm still angry. I would well, that, like to I have think, a chance, and I think having right. hope think, matters a lot here. That's that's the second part of this, right? Are the Rangers getting screwed? They're not really getting screwed because if the season restarted and things were going the way things were going, the Rangers were going to miss the playoffs by a couple points. It was going to take a turnaround that, quite honestly, didn't look like the Rangers had it in them for them to make the playoffs. Not just for the Rangers to turn around and start winning games, but you would need the Islanders or Hurricanes to continue to lose games. And those are two teams on paper that are better than the New York Rangers. So you're asking the Rangers to play above their punching weight, and you're asking at least two teams to play below their punching weight. Possible? Yes. Likely? No. So I'm not going to sit here and cry about the Rangers getting screwed. I would say, if you want to take the Rangers are getting screwed angle, the one I will accept is, if you're going to have an extended, expanded playoffs, right, and you're going to say the teams that don't make the playoffs should then get better first-round draft picks, you should then figure out what the fuck you're doing with the playoffs before you have a draft, right? If the New York Rangers are one of seven teams that don't get a ticket to the dance, they should be one of the first seven teams to make a pick in the NHL draft. I don't think it's crazy to say, nor am I, like it's sports, right? It's a very vague, fair, or unfair vein that we're trying to uh, thread here. But just because the Anaheim Ducks have a worse record than the Rangers, but they get a ticket to the playoffs, doesn't mean the Ducks should necessarily be drafting before the Rangers. If you get in the dance, you draft later. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it will always be when the shit gets back to normal. So if you want to cry foul, cry foul that the talked about playoff scenarios exclude the Rangers and teams that get into the picture will now pick ahead of the Rangers because for some reason we're going to have the draft before we have the playoffs. I, which doesn't make any sense. And I, I totally agree with you. If the Rangers don't, if there's a scenario here, Gregory, where the Rangers pick 13th and then when the playoff system comes out eventually that they're not in it, that's when I'll be pissed off. That's when I'll be like very angry. But the fact that the Rangers are going to pick 13th right now, I don't think that's a real problem. The real problem is that they, like we said, we they can't make any trades and they, I feel like they would have, um, they would have tried to make some trades and get some packages together to make something happen. And I don't think that's far-fetched. You've been saying it for months, and I agree with you. But if the, if the playoff system comes out and the Rangers aren't in it, well, man, that's when we got a little bit of an issue. Like, a real – actually, I'll be legitimately pissed off if that's the case. Because I know, Honestly, we, I know we won't win the Cup, and I know winning the Cup this year doesn't actually fucking matter. I'm dropping the F-bomb again, but here we go. Like, it just – it doesn't. It doesn't matter winning the cup this year. It's gonna be. I hate to say this in sports, like the Astros. Like the Astros have an asterisk next to their name for me personally, but it's a totally different asterisk than this year. It's a totally different asterisk than than any like a lockout year. It like there are asterisks, and then there is the COVID year, and it just doesn't matter as much if you win this year or not. Yes, I would enjoy it. Of course, I would love it, um, but I wouldn't be able to go to a parade. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's what I want. I mean I want the championship too, but. Uh, I just, if, if that's the case, I don't think we're winning it, but I'd want to be in the dance. Honestly, for me, it's not even, 
it's not even if the Rangers make the playoffs or not, or if the Rangers get punished, uh, well, quote unquote punished by this playoff system getting announced whenever it gets announced and the Rangers either being on the, just on the outside looking in and playoff teams getting rewarded, all that. Honestly, for me, the buck stops with the salary cap, right? Because nothing is more valuable as a trade chip than draft picks because those draft picks don't carry a cap space number attached to them. And when you're talking about a team like the New York Rangers, where they were on the verge of making the playoffs this year with a subpar defense and some just glaring holes in the bottom six, it's those draft picks that you can use as trade capital to fix your holes that make such a big difference. And we're not just talking about in normal in normal times, right, Ryan? Before mm-hmm. the great shutdown of 2020, where shutdown. you could get a first-round draft pick for Brady Shea because a team was going to eat Brady Shea's contract. Obviously, that trade no longer exists. But it's not even those trades that I'm worried about, right? I'm talking about the deals that teams are now forced to make because the salary. everyone was anticipating the salary cap going up. Everyone was going to get an additional two-and-a-half-ish million dollars of space just by simply existing. We need to know if that's going to happen. We don't think it's going to happen, right? We think the salary cap is simply going to stay flat, but it could even go down. Yeah. We need an answer. We need a salary cap answer because what if you're a team up against the, right? Mob Maple Leafs today, they signed our boy, Miko Lettinen. Yep. Obviously a good piece of business for them. He's a top free agent, 26 years old. Can only sign for $925,000. Okay. He's on great, an entry-level deal. Great business for the Leafs. That obviously great, makes great them piece. better, uh, even though they had a down season. Yes. Yes, but this is a team that is cash-strapped when it comes to the salary cap. Mm-hmm. So they bring in a player like Lettinen. Does that mean they're more willing to trade another player on their roster because he's now there? Is there a defenseman that is now available that wouldn't have been available? Right? We talked to Evolving Wild a couple weeks ago. Obviously, they're big Jared Spurgeon guys. They're big Matt Dumba guys. Those are two guys that the Wild, under normal circumstances, would never think about trading. Are they in a position now where they have to trade one of the two because they simply can't afford him? They need to make room on the roster for other spots? What players are going to become available because additional money is not getting pumped into the salary cap system? That's the answer we need before you can hold an NHL draft. Because again, if you're the New York Rangers and you're sitting there with the 23rd overall pick and some team has their back up against the salary cap wall and they need to make a move, they're not in a position, they're not in a leverage position to negotiate with. The Rangers could say, look at this shiny first round draft pick I have. We don't have a lot of cap space, but we will take your player and we, the New York Rangers, will figure it out later. I don't know, and you we look, we can sit here and talk about how the Rangers could take someone at 23 and then just dangle that player. Unless you have an under, like the NBA does, where you have like a handshake under the table and you're specifically drafting for that team, that doesn't work. The player the Rangers take at 23 might have been the 70th guy on some team's board that they don't have any interest in. So now instead of trading that 23rd pick for that team to take whoever the fuck they want. You have to do the guesswork to make sure you're getting the player they would have taken anyway. And maybe the NHL allows teams to do these handshake deals where 
you can draft a player for a team, sash that player until the league window opens again where you can make trades. That's fine and dandy, but if the salary cap picture changes so much that the terms of the trade then change once we know what the salary cap is, then you're the New York Rangers possibly stuck with a player you don't even want. And you can't negotiate trades from that kind of leverage. It just, it's so much, Ryan, it just, it's, it's illogical to do this draft and say, yeah, we'll figure it out later with everything else. Figure everything out. The draft should not be the first thing you figure out. It should literally be the last thing. Who's, who, who honestly is getting impacted by the draft getting pushed back? The players that are going to get drafted can't play hockey in the NHL because there is no fucking NHL right now. Nope. These guys, when they get drafted, I, can't play right away anyway. I don't even know when they this, receive their first paycheck. I have something I'm not privy to. I have no right, idea. Right, and some of them aren't going to sign their first contract with their NHL teams. Niels Lundqvist was drafted by the Rangers two years ago, and he's still not being paid a dime by the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. So these guys, you're not guaranteed an entry-level contract, right, when you, when you get drafted. The players that get drafted will not be able to play in the quote-unquote unpaused season if it were to happen. These guys can't sign a contract and play – until the 2020-2021 season starts, which we don't know when that is. These guys have junior league or overseas league contracts already. It's not like it's not like these guys were just sitting around in high school and weren't already playing some organized professional hockey, right? Byfield plays in junior hockey. The Lucas Raymond plays in the Swedish Hockey League. These guys have jobs. The NHL is not providing them unemployment benefits it doesn't most of them 80 percent of them will not sign entry-level contracts immediately when they get drafted right i don't understand why we're again i say this knowing why we're doing this we're doing it for tv money that's the rule of thumb that is what the nhl wants they want their cut of the tv paycheck and they know they have to put a product on tv that is live and new in order for them to get that check. That is the only reason we are having this draft conversation. We're not having it because it makes the GMs want it. They don't want it. We're not having it because scouts think it's we should stick to some form of tradition. That ain't it. We're not doing it so playoff teams can get young players they can immediately put in their, in their lineup to try and make a final push. That ain't it. We're doing it for TV money. That's the rule of the land, and it's fucking dumb every other league that had a draft scheduled mlb has already changed this draft entirely and they don't know when it's going to be held nba has canceled all its pre-draft workouts the only reason the nfl draft happened ryan is because it was already scheduled for april and they didn't physically need players in the building to hold it i'm not saying the the nhl isn't no league needs physical players in the building right but the nfl like nfl season was done the new league calendar had started. Colleges were already out. The players who already declared for the draft had to declare before March 1st. So these guys were already in it. It was over. This was literally semantics that the league had to go through to assign these guys to teams. That's the only reason the NFL draft happened. If the NFL draft happens normally in December, I'd be guaranteeing you right now we'd be having conversations about how the draft would be different. It just so happened the NFL got lucky. And everything was already done except the reading of names in Roger Goodell's basement. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and that's what the NFL was. That's what the NFL is. That's all the NFL is. They own a day of the week. It's the luckiest league on the planet. 
Uh, with that, you want to go to our interview with our boss, Craig Custis? Uh, I suppose. Come back and do so a little bit of five-star questions on the show. I think that's the best way to go here. We have a tremendous ad today. Tremendous. Let's get to that. Transition. All right, before we get to Craig, it's time. If you're bored of the house, bored in the house, bored, why not spend some time on yourself? <laughs> our today's sponsor is Manscaped. It's here. It's to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes a clean hygiene when it comes to shaving, thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. That's right, the Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably looking for new things to do, why not make manscaping part of your routine? Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with the perfect package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping code... The Athletic at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping code at Manscaped.com. Use the code The Athletic, and for limited time subscribers get not one, but two free gift cards. The Shed Travel Bag at $39 value and, a, and patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to Manscaped.com today and use the code The Athletic. And now, the editor-in-chief of The Athletic himself. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. I would say he's technically our, well, he actually is our boss. He's the editor-in-chief of The Athletic, Craig Custance. Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it is my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. Yes, uh, I, I would like to finally make hockey happen again, but uh, I guess that leads me to my, my first <laughs> yeah. question. Uh, what is the latest on the uh, the hockey landscape forming? Is there any news on the tournaments? I, we, I feel like we hear a new idea every single day. Yeah, you know, I think part of that is because there's been this window of time and hopefully it's coming to a close and it sounds like it is. But, you know, there was just a lot of things proposed and debated. And so, you know, what we're what we all end up doing is making calls and calling around and you talk to somebody that said, oh, yeah, hey, I, I, I you know, I know this team suggested this idea or whatever. And and it's all. And so then, you, you know, th those are the things you report. And so it leads to lots of you know, random ideas or whatever. Um, and because there's just, there was so much uncertainty on what it might look like. And still, as we record, this continues to be um, because you're trying to plan for something where you don't know what you're going to be allowed to do and what, what that'll look like. And so, you know, for a while there, there was like the, the idea of neutral sites and then that kind of got bagged. And then it was the most current one that seems somewhat doable and i say that with all the normal caveats mm -hmm. we're using this time right now but you know how, narrowing it down to a few cities or what you know uh, some hub cities are calling them and and trying to have multiple games per day in those arenas um but i mean each one has its own challenges and and you know that's that's what they're still figuring out craig let, obviously we'll, we'll add the caveat that if the NHL comes back, it's it's because we have rapid mass testing available. So let's let's push that part of it to the side. Which one of the options that you heard do you find the most plausible? Is there one, or are we looking at a situation where the league should consider axing the season altogether? Well, so you know, my opinion is different than probably what's going to happen, and I, to me. It's, it makes the most sense to just ax the season mm -hmm. and try to prepare for next season. Um, but I also don't 
own a team or have a, a paycheck where, you know, I'm having a, a giant escrow chunk taken out, you know, or, or run a league where that would cost a, you a billion dollars in revenue. So there clearly is this priority to not only get the playoffs done, but ideally get some regular season games in um, for a number of reasons. And, and they're, you know, it's driven by finances, of course, and you don't want to have to pay back you know, TV rights, you, you, you know, the, like there's all these different factors that go into it. Um, so the most logical, or I don't want to say logical, the most um, likely scenario continues to be some sort of regular season uh, in, in preparation for a, a playoff and, you know, in, in, in trying to do it in a way that potentially pushes back the start of next season into uh, yeah, Pierre LeBron reported yesterday, they're looking now at December if they do that. So, so you know, as these things come to fruition and more information is surfaces, it, it, it becomes clearer and clearer the priority is to get this season in, in some form or fashion, even at the cost of pushing back next season considerably. And, and you, you know, you can see why that's appealing. I mean, think back to the last lockout that didn't, I forget when, what the date was or when the season started January. And that that season ended up being great, right? Like there was this pent up demand for hockey. Um, it was, you know, my opinion, the regular season is too long, anyways. Agreed. So it shortened that considerably, and it became this race to the, the to the playoffs starting in January. That season was awesome. So I'm I'm sure they're sitting there going, "Hey, we can we can get the best of both worlds where we we try to cram in the rest of this season because it's the playoffs, which is the best time of year." Then we're chopping out theoretically October, November, which isn't the best time of the year. Let's say it that way, and then you can have this race to the to next year's playoffs. So I can I can see that kind of thought process. I just find it so fascinating that they want to play the regular season games. Like some of those playoff games, some of those regular season games are like technically playoff games for teams. Like we cover the New York Rangers; they're outside of the playoff standing, and they were hoping to make a run to make the playoffs those regular season games will count as much for them as any of these playoff games would count. Um, I, I'm surprised to hear you say that, that they're, they're looking to start the regular season again, because to me, those are exhibition games. Like, would there be exhibition games before even the regular season games? Cause then we're like months <laughs> ahead here. Like we're right. You need to get into regular, like those are playoff games for the Rangers and other teams like the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. I mean, they are. And so, I mean, I guess what, what's the other scenario? No, I can't. I don't think you're going to have exhibition games. Okay. Um, uh, although who knows, right? right. I don't know. Um, but you know, the other scenario is you just, you, you determine your, let's say it's 24 playoff teams and you do a tournament of some sort. Um, but even if you do that, now game one of whatever that is, is coming off of this lengthy, you know, time where these guys haven't played. So I, I think on some level, there's, there is some merit to, hey, let's have a regular season. So, uh, you know, the, we, we can get some sort of, in some sort of hockey shape before the the playoffs begin. And, you know, I had a Tyler Sagan on my podcast this week and he was great. And just talking about the preparation it would take. And he's like, you can sit here and work out and bike and even rollerblade all you want, but you, there's nothing like skating and you can't, you know, you can't do that right now. And so there's going to be this adjustment period where players are going to have to get their legs back and their lungs back. And, and so, so maybe that is part of the reason why they wanted to do these regular season games. I, what I have a hard time with guys is sitting there 
in saying to these teams that are completely out of it, you know, the Ottawa Senators, the Detroit Red Wings, yep. and say, hey, you guys need to come back and play whatever it is, eight games or something that mean absolutely nothing to you. Um, and, and, like, if you're those teams, I'm I'm sitting any player of consequence for moving forward. You know what I mean? You know, if you're the Anaheim Ducks and your franchise goalie is John Gibson, like, are you, why are you playing him in these games? So... So now, like, the, those are all the kind of conversations that still need to be had, but I wouldn't want to risk any of my players if I'm these teams that have absolutely nothing to play for and they're bringing us all back. Well, not not just that, Craig, but we're talking about this. the country's going to open in regional sections, right? It's very right. possible that the Florida Panthers will be able to get on the ice next week, whereas the New York Rangers mm. probably aren't going to be able to get on the ice in any way, shape, or form Period. Before June or 20, at the absolute, yeah, at the absolute earliest. Right. So it, and and you know the guys who are currently, for example, Sweden is handling the coronavirus completely different than just about any other country in Western Europe or the this hemisphere. They're right. basically letting everyone go. So what happens to the Mika Zibanejads and Henrik Lundqvists when they come back? They're probably going to have to go in isolation for x number right. of weeks so yeah, it's absolutely it, I, I i'm with you craig i have no idea how the nhl expects to finish this season it just seems implausible yeah and, and part of that is because it's april 29th and, and i can even as we're recording this and and i know like so much of this has even changed in a month like when this you know when we all went into quarantine and and you know you're studying these numbers i'm like i'm not leaving my house until there's a vaccine you know, like it, it's like now it's like, oh, I can see where there's a scenario where if everybody is social distance, like you learn more about it, you, you're, you know, there's things kind of evolve and they change. And so maybe things look differently in June, let's say, than they do in April. And, and I mean, they will look and, and we don't know what they're going to look like. So things that seem completely far fetched now might seem reasonable, but you're right, like. Sweden is handling things completely different. And so not only do we talk about, okay, now Henrik Lundqvist has to, you know, quarantine for whatever it is. Um, These guys are on the ice in Sweden right now. So like there is a, there's a competitive advantage or disadvantage for people that are still, still practicing and and able to train that way. So I don't know how you factor that all into the decision-making. You mentioned earlier, like, how did teams play some of their best players? Like, these teams that are sort of the bottom feeders right now. Like, Anthony Duclair for the Ottawa Senators, what does he have to gain in, like, seven games? Like, he had a tremendous season. Yeah, he's a free agent. Why on earth would he ever play seven games after being off? Like, all he has is a chance of injury, right? He's not increasing his stock. No. And so... Like, I don't know. Then you're, you're forcing the, like, maybe you just, it's the league says you have to play or you're suspended it's next year. Ridiculous. I don't know. But I'm, if I'm, a, if I have a contract that's sitting, you know, that's up, like, I'm very unmotivated to play on these teams. Or, like, I think goalies, I remember the World Cup year, um, a couple of years, it was 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to goalies and goalie coaches that season because, if you remember, there was a bunch of guys had horrible starts and really hard regular seasons. And it was because they had ramped up for this tournament um, in September or whenever it was. It was completely out of their normal routine and it messed up the regular season the, the rest of the year. And they, they had to kind of get back on track for the playoffs. So now I'm thinking, okay, 
if something like that messed up all these elite goalies, and if you look at the numbers, I, it's, it's, I think it did on some level. What does taking three months off and then showing up for six games mean to, you know, Jonathan Bernier in Detroit? You know what I mean? Like, uh, like it's going <laughs> to, it's going to completely screw things up. Um, but like, I don't know, like I, we all still have to work and they have paychecks to collect in, uh, I'm assuming they still want, you know, there's, there's going to be rules in place. So, uh, I mean, even if they may not want to, I'm sure they may have to potentially. Do you see a scenario, and this is something I've just been thinking about all too often. I, I I know it's probably not likely, and maybe you can correct me why I'm wrong. Is there a chance the salary cap ever goes down? Well, it would – if it goes down, it's because they're – you know, the, the financial losses are so great. But, you know, the people I've had conversations with is, say, the, the most expected scenario is they're just going to come up with a number that's workable. That's not based on – the normal setup, right? Like there's going to have to be some negotiation between the PA and the NHL and say, okay, the, you know, you can't, I mean, it would just be devastating to let's say the Tampa Bay lightning. If they're like, not only is the cap not going up in that, as we projected is recently as a month ago at the GM meetings or whatever that was a month and a half ago. Yeah. It was going to go um, up like it's a couple going million. down like that. That's supposed to go up a couple million. So my guess is there's just going to be like, we're going to run this back with the same cap number and then they, they're going to have to project forward. And I imagine this is going to be a part of CBA negotiations that are presumably ongoing for the next CBA. They're going to have to say, okay, how do we make this, how do we square this away over the next several years? And, and like, that's, I mean, there's so many challenges to all of this. Which brings me to even my next point, I read your article on the exceptional player rule. Um, which was the first two mm -hmm. paragraphs was one of the most exciting articles I've read in months. And as I continued to read the paragraphs, um, <laughs> they started with this will never absolutely happen. And the owners will never fight for it ever again. Uh, so as a Ranger fan, you can imagine, I got ex incredibly excited that there was a chance I'd have an exception rule because James Dolan, despite his uh, shortcomings in every other aspect of life does pay for players. So yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. We're going to have our type of player on exception of player rule. This is going to be awesome. And then you poured a steaming batch of, yeah, I didn't mean to. I was just trying to be have some reality in there. Like <laughs> you did a good job. Like, fun idea, and then yeah, we're gonna douse it with water. And um, can, can you yeah, explain so to the people I, who didn't will, maybe read your article exactly why the exceptional player rule wouldn't sure. happen? So the so just to to back up the concept, and this was this was uh, based off of a paper written by Agent Kurt Overhart, who uh, represents among other people Jacob Truba. Plays for the Rangers, mm -hmm. and you know, is is kind of uh, you know, has a reputation as could be a hardliner, and and you know, he's not afraid to take a stand. And he he came up with this idea, and with the idea being, um, each team could have an exception player that is not part of the cap system, is not part of you know, just basically exists outside the system. With the thought being, you know, revenues are going to be dropping. We're going to probably be in some sort of recession, so. Uh, it's a way for teams to keep their team for teams to keep their teams together, you know, so they don't have to break up. And and also, his argument was, in, in if you go to his paper and and their website, and I link to it on our story in the athletic. And the athletic, um, he's you know his argument is the the high end players at the NHL have not had their salaries raised even close to the same pace as the other professional sports. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I mean. If you look at Yager's salary, whatever it was, I think it was 99 was the year he used or whatever it was. Yep. 
uh, it's it's you know he was the highest salary compared to Connor McDavid, and it's you know Connor's is only twenty percent more versus the other sports where it's like four hundred percent. So like it was an argument that's like, hey, we can fix kind of problems that are going on now, and also address this reality that hockey stars are probably underpaid, and they and that's valid, but it's that's just the reality of a hard cap system. Like that system wasn't in place, now it is, and that's why it, it is what it is. And um, really, the reason we're writing about it is because there's nothing else going on right now. And it was an interesting concept. Um, and you could sit there and say, okay, a team like the Rangers, and someone I talked to was like, that was exactly what they used. It's like the Rangers and Red Wings could become the Rangers and Red Wings again, where they go out and spend a ton of money. Um, but uh, after that published, someone pointed out, they're like, yeah, it would be fine for about two years. And then everybody would sign their exceptional player and it would just go back to normal because you'd have all these slots filled up and locked in. And so basically you'd have a small number of players getting a huge raise. Um, and, and then it would be, it would juice the, the, the salaries and then it would, we'd go back to where we are now, <laughs> which is a valid thought. And the reason it wouldn't work um, as a GM in the story is quote is saying is a Gary Bettman would never go for it. Um, they, they love the current system in place. They like the cost certainty that comes with a hard cap system. There's no money, you know, leaking out of the system. And this would create a pretty big floodgate of that. Um, no, the, the GM said there isn't a single owner that would even go for this. Although, I don't know if you're if you're the if you're the Rangers or the the Red Wings or the Leafs, I think at least from the competitive standpoint, um, you know, having that competitive advantage might be tempting. But um, alas, I don't think this is a a a proposal based in any reality, but it was, it was a fun thought exercise. I had a really great time for yeah, about I, six minutes. So I appreciate you. Yeah, that's good. That's anything <laughs> I could do to entertain people for five to 10 minutes at a time. Yes. Yeah. It, it was, it was a fun thought because there's nothing James Dolan loves doing more than lighting money on fire. All you have to do is look at how much they're paying Bobby Portis on the Knicks. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's clear that he would have more than happily used that system. Craig, I, I do wonder what your thoughts are because Larry Brooks, again, we're pre-recording this, so the, the, we're talking about this on, on a Wednesday. Yeah, I'm uh, worried Larry, this is like so much, you know, I'm worried this weekend a million things are going to develop and they're going to be like, what's, what are they talking about? We'll, oh, yeah, sports, we'll say beforehand. Sports, like, sports, 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 <laughs> sports completely canceled for 2020, 2021. Yeah, we're yeah, not going like... to do that anymore. <laughs> uh, Craig, where, where are you on whether the NHL draft should go on as scheduled or if that too <laughs> should be pushed back? Yeah. All right. So I would say selfishly, I want the draft in early June, which seems to be where it's headed right now. Hmm. Um, Selfishly, because I work at a media company and, you know, you saw all the interest in the NFL draft. Um, Like I was watching, I'm not even a huge NFL fan and I'm sitting with my son watching day two. And I, all of a sudden I have opinion of, picks being made in rounds three and four that I'd never even heard of the guys five minutes earlier. And, and so as a sport, you can sit there and go, boy, we have this unique window of opportunity here where if we do this right, we can, we can have a, a similar impact and maybe, you know, expose the sport to fans that are just looking for something to, to get into. And, and so um, from, uh, from kind of a promoting the sport, sport point of view, I get it. Um, from somebody who's clearly dying for things to write about that are based in reality. I like it. Like, I, you know, I, it would be if the second they decide this, if they're like, Hey, it's going to be June 10th or whatever it is, 
we can go at the athletic into full on draft preview mode. When we, when we have some realities of what it's going to look like, we can start doing the mocks and doing all that stuff that fans love. And, and right now provide a distraction that I think fans want. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like all of that. What I don't love is if you're, is it's going to be, you know, it's going to be determined before the standings are figured out. Right. So it's, we're, we're changing the fate of some teams um, completely, I guess, artificially, right. It's, it's going to be unlike any draft done before, but look, I mean, that's, that's how a lot of things are going to be right now. So I I actually don't mind it. What do you guys think? I would love the draft. I would love any sort of hockey coverage. We, uh have been doing this podcast every single monday night usually for the last four years so we're used to like the doldrums of july and august and and lacking coverage but it just feels different this time it just feels yeah. like like oh wow now i'm really scraping the bottle of the barrel like well, let's see what artemi panera is up to on his instagram oh he's still in florida making fences that's like our top story like for the week <laughs> is that what he's doing is he literally he, making he fences? was living with Bobrovsky for a little bit and just like making oh. birdhouses and fences yeah so that's, that's what amazing. that's what our coverage has become but usually right. it's like become like there was a Jimmy VC saga and there's all these like fun little tidbits that happen. So if the draft was to happen, I'd be very, I'd be no matter what, I'd be so interested, especially because the draft is so top heavy this year. And, it, but I don't know how the Rangers even fit into that. So we need to yeah, figure out what we're doing right. with the season. Cause if we got a top 10 pick, like, well, okay, well now we're running for the next five years. Like this team's good. Um, but it might be anyway, but I, I don't know what's happening with the draft until I know what's happening with the Rangers, if they're making the playoffs or if they're in the lottery. So I'm just like, every week we come on, it's like, hey, uh, we don't know anything. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Appreciate it. We're trying right. so hard to figure out, like, you know, what is the landscape moving forward for us, the Rangers, and uh, sports in general. And it's 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 a really trying uh, situation. I think if they're going to do that, it makes the most sense to me. You have to you have to change the lottery system. You can't do it as it is now because we don't know who's in the playoffs. And so, but we do know, you know, those bottom, that bottom group isn't going anywhere. So you can just say, okay, the top three picks are going to be determined from this smaller pool of teams than than the current rules set up allow for, and make that change have a big even. Even that lottery determination and the draft order, you can make a night of that. Like we're so also starved for anything you know like this that's that's real i I think you could make a night out of your draft presentation lottery presentation and and then you know go from there so it's you know obviously it's not ideal where where i think it's it's particularly problematic is the draft and first round draft picks traditionally is such a time for trades and roster construction Mm -hmm. and so if you're sitting there and you're a borderline playoff team and you were like, you know what, we were trying to get one more year out of this guy and, and, but the plan all along this summer was to trade him. Well now, you know, for a first round pick or whatever, to get back into the, whatever it is, like whatever scenario it is now you can't do that because you're not playing your playoffs till after the draft. So like, I don't know, there's going to be some ramifications on kind of the trade market, the free agency market and a lot of roster construction. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the trade front. Specifically, again, if we're talking about how life affects the New York Rangers, because that's yeah. basically what we do. Here's a team with two first-round draft picks, one they got at the trade deadline for Brady Shea. But it's also a team that, in their eyes, if they weren't going to make the playoffs this year, they want to make the playoffs next year. And in order to do that, 
they're a team that needs another left-handed defenseman, uh, one that is reasonably priced but also can play in the top four. Right. They probably need another center either to play on the second or third line. And one way to get both those things is dangle a first-round pick to a team that wants an extra pick or wants to move up in the draft. And if you're the Rangers, a first-round pick is even more valuable now because with how the salary cap landscape could change, maybe a team who wasn't going to dangle a player now all of a sudden can't even afford that player in the first place, and they have to trade him so you can get him at cut-rate value. I don't know how you have those conversations until you decide what the hell. You know what, though? Maybe you go like I'm, I'm trying to think who would be who would be a, a left shot defenseman Rangers fans would target in this scenario. Uh, Let's just play this out. Great question. Um, I really don't know who would be even available on the open market right now. Right. Um, it's like who is? I, I really don't know. Um. Yeah. Well, that's the. Th- I mean, I don't know. We haven't even like. <laughs> that's the know. thing. Like, I I I know <laughs> it's crazy. Right. Where it's like I would love to do this hypothetical. But right. we can't even do that. That's that's where we're sitting. Like, I would love to talk to the Ducks, right? They have a, like, a plethora of great defensemen. But are they going to trade that for a first-round draft pick? Maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, let's use, uh, let's use uh, Brodeen in Minnesota. Like, this is a guy who's in trade left-shot defenseman. That's, top, a, that's a really like, good example that we've used before. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so if you're in Minnesota, you know, and you're like, okay, if we're Ooh. trading him, a first round pick has to be part of the equation now, but you're not, if you're Bill Guerin, you don't want a 2021 first round pick. Like you're still trying to put this together for this year. Yep. Maybe, you know, maybe this is something where him and Jeff Gordon get together and it's, Hey, I I don't know what what it's going to look like for us in the playoffs, but if, you know, if you take this prospect with your first round pick, we will be very interested in having this conversation after the season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, it's, or, or you just like that instead of the draft pick being the currency, it becomes the prospect you, you, you draft. And you know, you just, you're adding to your pool of, of assets and, and then you, you're more, you know, then you, you move them. And we never see that, right? Like teams never draft a guy and then trade them never. a few months later. Cause they're usually so excited about it, but if all along the Rangers are like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to take the best player available in that teams think the most highly of, and we have every intention of trading this prospect in two months or six months or whatever, whenever it would be like, that would be a workaround. It's crazy. And really, I'm just thinking this through as we're talking here. <laughs> uh, it's uh, these thought experiments are all we have, but the draft value of players changes so quickly. I mean, when the Rangers drafted Philip Heedle, like he was picked at 21, but I think by the end of the month, he was like a top 15 prospect and now is top 10 from that class. Yeah. Like that changes so yeah. quickly just so that that's like an asset that can depreciate where the first round pick like ha- that has the value that's set. I mean, you talked about making deals that would yeah. come down the line. The Rangers had a deal in place supposedly um, with for Brady Shea that they were going to do at the draft. Now they got it done at the trade deadline. And I who knows if that ever happens now? Probably not. So uh, I'm I'm curious right. to see if if teams will talk down the road and uh, and make something happen. It's all up in the air, and um, it's all a very interesting thought experiment. I would be curious, and maybe I'll do this for fun to look at every tra- uh, trade at the deadline this year, and saying basically if we knew now what we know now, or knew then what we know now, would this trade still have happened? And you know, I would say a lot of them. I mean for sure they wouldn't like you're not trading for a rental uh to get four games out of them so you know I, <laughs> that, it, 
The Hurricanes don't trade for Sammy Vatanen, who has now played zero games for the That's Carolina. That's right, right. They probably probably aren't eager to get Sammy Vatanen for zero games. I'll so, say this: I, I think um, the Rangers trade yeah. Chris Kreider if they knew this was coming. Like, I I don't I know that he's signed for hmm. a, a longer amount of term, but I I do think they would if they knew the salary cap was going to be going down, which I think this is why they signed Kreider. Thinking it would go up, um, they would end up trading. Oh, they would end up trading Chris Kreider. Um, and uh, an article I won't write for the Athletic, but there you go. <laughs> yes, but now you got to remember in this fake world that we're creating yes. right now. Mm-hmm. Somehow, all the other teams also know there's a, a, a global pandemic coming, and the sport's about to shut down. Correct. So Kreider's value as a rental is is much less. Lower. So, are you trading him for a third round pick no. for a? you know, playoff tournament in July. I don't know. It's it's just funny thinking about Kreider specifically, because when he signed, we were talking about how he probably left around half a million dollars a year on the table in order to take that extension. Yeah. And you look at it now and he probably got half a million dollars more than the Rangers would want to give him now. Oh yeah. Anybody that's signed pre in before times is, is thrilled right now. I have to assume because um, teams are going to be so squeezed this summer. Uh, it, like if you've seen James Myrtle today, uh, he looked at every single team's cap situation on the athletic and, and you can just see, like, when you look at it from 10,000 feet, just how much trouble teams are going to be in with a flat cap because, and like, why wouldn't they be like you every team was planning for an increase. And so free agents, like, like, let's say Taylor Hall, for example, yep. um, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Taylor Hall. Because teams just aren't going to have have the, um, the and and maybe and usually it's not the high end guys that, that are impacted. It's probably going to be the middle of the road veteran guys that that get squeezed, the middle class, and and you know that's we're going to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, from where the Rangers sit, this was a team that was already squeezed against it, and now you're talking about Tony D'Angelo needs money, Ryan mm. Strom needs money if you want to re-sign him, Alex Georgiev needs money if you don't trade him. Jesper Foss needs money. He's a free agent. The Rangers have too many holes to fill and not enough cap, which is why, honestly, as as much as I like Brady Shea, it's a godsend that trade happened because there is no yeah. chance in hell the Rangers would have gotten a first-round draft no way. for him now. No way. Yeah. Or at least not without salary retention. And the Rangers couldn't afford salary retention right now. So let, let me ask you guys, if if knowing now that there's a, a flat cap and for the foreseeable future, are you signing Kreider to that deal? I think I still am because I'd rather have Kreider than three other pieces together Mm -hmm. because I feel like you can kind of mix and match the bottom six with people that end up taking less money despite the situation and Kreider just is too good but I I think if there was a couple deals I heard at the trade deadline that were on the table for Kreider uh, and I think if those deals I, I won't go into them now but I think if those deals were still on the table I would retroactively do them. Um, because to have that first round talent or to have people that are on ELCs is just going to be absolutely so much more valuable than the big time star players. And as crazy as that is over the next couple of years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I still do the Kreider deal because again, if, if you're spending all the money on Artemi Panarin, you can't really be cheap on the second tier talent guys around him. You need a Chris Kreider in order to make Artemi Panarin worth it. Uh, I, I do think, I, I think Chris Kreider's deal has killed Ryan Strom, though. I really can't see a scenario where the Rangers have the money to re-up with Strom, which means they need another center. Right. And, and so, like, with a guy like Panarin, and we saw 
with previous teams he was on, like, I think you can, like, that's, that's somebody you can pair up with that you, you can do a little projecting, right? Like you say, you know, Perrin always seems to get the most out of his line mates. So you, you don't need a guy that's going to carry Panarin, you know, Panarin's going to carry a guy. So I would, I, that would be, if I'm building the roster, the Rangers roster, that's somewhere I would consistently try to go cheap on and whoever Panarin's playing with. And then in theory, juice their value and then move them. You know what I mean? That's a, that's what you're yeah. gonna have to do in this situation with in this well, economy. You're, yeah, you're, <laughs> you, you've basically you basically just ruined Ryan Strom's day by saying that. No, I'm yeah. sorry, Ryan. That that was this is not an indication of what I. We, think we of had Ryan Strom on the like, podcast a couple strategy. weeks ago. He was the nicest person we've ever spoken to, other than you, of course. Yeah. But it, in this well, case, you. oh, you're so welcome. Uh, in this case, it, it does <laughs> seem like he's going to be a casualty of this situation. Um, yeah. Craig, I, I want to appreciate. I want to appreciate you. I do appreciate you. I want to thank you so much for coming on and spending some time in the Wednesday afternoon talking to us. And uh, you're always welcome back, as you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anything- and, and I appreciate all that you guys are doing uh, for the podcast and the Athletic family. It's it's awesome to be part of it. Number one ranked show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Is that true? That is actually that is actually true for for the NHL. That is NHL. I'm gonna check the metrics. I have right now. I I cover you (laughs) up. I tweet. I tweet at you sometimes. I'm above Craig today. (laughs) I don't like that. My my competitive side. I'm gonna go uh, try to upgrade my guest for next week. Well, sorry, you only had Sagan this week. Okay, (laughs) Craig, we 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 can give you the top rank uh, rub if you need. We're available. Yeah. Can you guys promote my podcast? Yeah, I got your back. I could use the bump. All right, right. that would be great. All right, sounds good, Craig. Thanks so much for coming on. Any any pieces we can look for in the near future? Um, here, like this is not hockey related, but since we're all being so creative, I w- the thing I'm excited about we're gonna we're doing a because I'm a complete nerd um, a memorabilia and like collectors package in mid May, and I'm I'm working on some really cool stories that are part of that you know some great stories behind like historic baseball cards and great collect autograph collections and so i like if you're if that if you're into that at all like that's coming in may mid may at the athletic and i'm really excited about that awesome all right thanks so much and we'll uh we'll talk to you soon all right guys take care thanks craig hey a great interview with our boss uh we taped it last week so um some things have changed but not really i mean i think the tone of it was we don't know anything and that hasn't changed uh, shall we get to five-star questions? I think we shall. I think Th- we shall. This is from Mike Newhaven again. It says, naturally, I've been hitting up video games a lot as a way to pass the time. I've been specifically hitting up NHL 20, MLB The Show, etc. Do you guys put enjoy putting legends on your team for franchise mode, or am I the only one? It's not. It's pretty awesome to have Mike, Pia- Mike Piazza, Tom Seaver. Here's why I have a fucking problem with this question. And I'm gonna, this, what I'm about to say goes into the next question. Uh, and John Franco on today's Mets. Wait, wait a second. Before I get to the rest of this stuff, do you consider John Franco a metropolitan legend? Do you want the honest answer? I want the. Me make I no, I don't want you to make me mad because I know that you, how you'll do that. But I want the honest answer. Is he a? It's Met hard legend? to. Let me put it this way: It's hard to consider any reliever in Met history a quote-unquote legend. But I will say, John Franco is one of the three best relievers the New York Mets have ever had. Okay, so he's close. I'd, I'd say he's only in the legendary. He's kind of, he's basically, you know what he is, Ryan? This is perfect. Okay. He's the Nick Fitzhugh of New York Mets baseball. He's a Met legend because he makes himself available every day of the week. Got like it. Like Fatio sleeps at MSG. And whenever the Rangers have an event, it's, oh, look, how about that? 
80s legend Nick Fatiu. Nick Fatiu isn't a legend. He's barely like a league average NHL player. John Franco is just always around. And he was a Met captain. There have only been, I think, three Met captains in history. And John Franco was John one. John Franco was a Met. I hate that guy. All right. Uh, he also said, like, Tina Martinez. He mentioned some other, having Mark Messier on and Brian Leach on today and Mike Richter on today's Rangers team, et cetera. Uh, obviously, I'd like to have Mark Messier and Brian Leach in their prime on today's Rangers team. I'd have a great time. But, no, I've never really done any of this stuff in franchise mode. Even even in out-of-the-park baseball where I simulate games, I never take, like, legendary players and put them on my squad. It's something I've never really done. Don't know why I've never yeah, delved into it. That, that stuff I save for, like, the NFL blitz type things. Like, if you want to give me a video game that is so unrealistic. Yep. That I could put Ooh. Dan Marino and Jerry Rice on the same team, then I'll do it. Did you see the but... new the new wrestling game they're making where you can like feed people to alligators and everyone looks very deformed? Uh no. Oh yeah, they're making like WWE backyard wrestling. Uh and you can like play any character like in WWE history, but they also look like they're the worst version of an arcade cartoon character, and you can throw them into crocodiles and other terrible things. It looks terrible, but also, like, it could be a good time. But, like, what, yeah, you're, what you're give saying. It another, give it another two weeks in isolation, you'll try it is basically where it's at. That's where I'm at, yes. Um, yeah. This next question is, uh, this is from Long Live the King 30. Hey, guys, great job with the podcast. So, always quick question for the two of you. Who out of the current roster would you like to be stuck at home in quarantine with and why? Hmm. Ooh. I think Chris Kreider is my gut reaction. I just feel like, uh, I just feel like I, the I have, hobbies never end. Like, like oh, have, you want to do have, something else? I, I have levels. It, it depends. I guess I have one player for every mood I'm in, right? If if I'm trying to have a productive weekend to get shit done around the house, it's very clear that Artemi Panarin is the guy. Yep. Uh, if I'm trying to maybe get a little sideways inside my own walls, like have a two-person party, feels like Mika Zibanejad is the right guy for that. Right. A bottle of wine, uh, Henrik Lundqvist. Chris Kreider is the complete wild card where I wouldn't, I, I would wake up every day, not knowing what version of Chris Kreider I'm getting. Like what are, is Chris Kreider going to lecture me on like 19th century Russian literature or is Chris Kreider going to say, bro, we're playing video games and drinking beer all day. I think both are likely. I'm not sure which is more likely. I honestly, I think the guy I would want to hang out with the most though is I think Fox is the guy I would want to be in quarantine with. Because he seems like the kind of guy that's smart enough where he can keep things interesting, but also kind of a bro. Definitely a, definitely a bro down. Secretly. Like a secret bro down. Uh, yeah. Next, I, I think I still go Chris Kreider. It just feels like the hobbies never end. Just got like, oh, now you want to play Call of Duty? Okay, what about I, I teach you piano? Okay, now let's jump out of pools together. Like, all right, right. I, I will say Kreider's definitely the guy where – he'd keep you entertained during quarantine because you literally wouldn't know what to expect him to do the next day. This is from Ziva 94 said, Hey guys, enjoy the show, but don't, you don't need to drop the F word so often. Oh, fuck that. Uh, yeah, sorry. Sometimes I actually don't even know I'm doing it. Like I'm not trying to be edgy. I just do it. I'll, I, you know, I'll try and be a better person. I've been trying for years. Thanks dad. Uh, and no, NDC, I know you're not. NDC Murph. This is the next question. Great podcast. Hey guys, have you ever been watching TV and boom, there's Sean Avery. He's a CIA agent. Am I the only one who didn't know he's an actor now? I just finished Mile 22, and IMDb says it's him. Are there other Rangers actors I should know about during quarantine times? Did you know that Sean Avery was an actor? Because I did not. Uh, I feel like I did know. Or at least, maybe I didn't know, but just assumed that Sean Avery would be doing something like that. Because let's be, let's be honest, Sean Avery has got those boyish looks going on. And he's definitely a personality, a big enough personality that should be uh, 
that should at least think themselves worthy of being in or on TV. So it doesn't, I don't know if I knew it, but it doesn't surprise me either. Yeah, it doesn't shock me. It feels like he knows people that know people that could get him on a TV show. I mean, he's in New York. He used to be a ranger. I feel like he can have connections to get there. Um, I'm curious as to how deep his acting chops go <laughs> um, before he punches somebody. So I'm not sure how deep that goes. But no, I did not know. And I don't think believe there are any other rangers unless you consider Henry Lundquist an actor. But really, he's just a model. Uh, yeah, I, I, I doubt the Marc Messiers of the world are having recurring roles in shows like Rescue Me. I don't think so. Uh, here's some stuff we don't know, under, understand from our friend Chris in Florida. Because mostly we weren't uh, paying attention. It's about the draft in 91. So we don't know. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, I uh, thought we were going to talk about actual Florida and I was going to get angry. No, no, no. It's still open. Great job as always on the podcast. I have an alternative history question for you. I don't know if you guys were aware, but the Rangers were dangerously close to acquiring Eric Lindros in the 1991 draft. There's a lot I more. I did know that. Yep. I did know did that know too. That. There's a lot more that goes into it, but essentially the Rangers thought they had a deal in place for the rights of Eric Lindros for Kovalev, Patrick, and Amante. Sergei Nemechikov and John, I can't say this one, John Van Isdeenbrook, sure, plus cash. You don't know John Van Beesbrook? I can't read. <laughs> you, but you don't, like, you don't see the combination of letters and know that it's John Van Beesbrook? I can't read, period. End of story. How, that's, how, a, that's, a, that's a hard one for you, Ryan, I'm not going to lie. I have hard ones all the time. Hey. No, but that, that specifically, considering that Van Beesbrook was one of the above average goalies in NHL history with Ranger connections that, Oh, by the way, also is the general manager of like the United States youth hockey circuit. Right. Right. As, as again, probably. I probably should recognize the name, but I do not. Also, I think a closet racist. I th well, not a closet. Is I this a tough open. one for me anymore? I don't know. Um. <laughs> well, no, I, I think he's open. I think it's known that he's a piece of shit racist. Cool. Shout out to Johnny V. Uh, <laughs> hope he's doing mediocre. I guess. I don't know. Are you all right? COVID? COVID. Uh, how, dry, dry cough, I think. Yeah. How much uh, do you think the 90s Rangers would have uh, would have been – how much do you think the 90s Rangers would have been if they have acquired Lindros at the beginning of his career in 91? I guess uh, what he's saying is how what do you think they would have won? Do they think they still would have, would have won a cup or maybe multiple cups? Keep up the great work, Chris, from Florida. Praise be to Kako. Uh, I'm assuming that would have been a big boon for the Rangers. <laughs> that probably would have well, been a difference maker. I don't know. Maybe you don't get it's, it's it's hard to go down these rabbit holes, right? Because mm -hmm. like it gets the butterfly effect. If you get Eric Lindros, do you do everything else that you did in order to be the rate? Like, do the Rangers win? In theory, if you add Eric Lindros to the '94 New York Rangers, yeah, they're a better team. But are they making the same trades? The Rangers traded for like. Do the Rangers make the Mark Messier trade if they already have Eric Lindros? Do they have to? Do the Rangers make the eventual Sergei Zuboff trade down the line? Like, would they have still had Zuboff if they kept Lindros? Would they have been able to draft the same players? It's tough. It, I can't. I don't like playing the the butterfly effect stuff with that because, especially when it's a trade, right? Like, I all the time think about whether the Mets had a deal with the Seattle Mariners. It was Armando Benitez, Roger Cedeno, and Octavio Dotel for Ken Griffey Jr. after the 1998 season. Deal was done, Ryan. Uh, after the 99 season, I should say. The deal was done, but Griffey said no. So Griffey never came to the Mets. Right. But if Griffey, when Griffey said no, the Mets went out and traded for Mike Hampton 
instead. And Mike Hampton put together one of the better pitching years for the Mets. Are the New York Mets a better team if they have Griffey and Piazza and Alfonso and Ventura in the middle of the lineup? Or the Mets a better team because they had Piazza, Alfonso, and Ventura plus a great starting rotation? Like, obviously the New York Mets are different in the year 2000, the year they won the NL pennant. But are the New York Mets a World Series team? Because now, instead of having Mike Hampton and Al Leiter start 40% of your games, you have Al Leiter and Glendon Rush. Sure. Like, it's, it's I, I don't know how to answer these questions. It would have been fascinating if the Rangers had a young Lindros on their team. It would have been more fascinating if the Flyers never had Lindros. And it would have been more fascinating if the Quebec Nordiques, who then became the Colorado Avalanche, never had Peter Forsberg. Like, it's a big, do the, are the Avalanche still the Avalanche without Forsberg? Is Forsberg still Forsberg if he's in Philadelphia? What is Lindros' career like if he's with the Rangers? I, it, it's, it's Pandora's box. We really, really don't is. know. We really don't know. All, all I know is if you put Lindros on the 94 Rangers, they're a juggernaut. And if you put that 94 roster with young Lindros, sure, I think it would have been a disappointment if the Rangers didn't win another cup on top of that. But it, I, I also think it's just impossible. I, I, I love these exercises because it's fascinating, but I can't give you a definite answer because I just don't know what else would have happened. I know that I Googled Van Riesbrook and he's 5'8". There you go. Small goalie. There you go. Big racist. <laughs> Allegedly. I want to make sure I get it. I, I don't there. think it's allegedly. I want to get it in there just in case. Just in I case. Think, I, think it's, I think it's out there that I, he dropped some N-words to players. I texted you know, all of our, our lawyer friends. They said to say allegedly. That's what they said. Sure. <laughs> just cover your cover, ass cover. you can come for me all right van uh, beesbrook I'm, I'm in troy new york someone's gonna be me. like did you know ryan's protecting a racist like okay great. speaking of speaking of troy, new york did you know racist patriot kicker went to high school in troy new york i had no idea i had no idea this it's everywhere these days um yeah that's you didn't our show go to a good high you didn't go to a good high school in troy either you went to a shit high school so no surprise shit high school in troy great place all right, we're out of here. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm sure we'll have something fun. Uh, well, we'll be back later in the week with OT. I forgot about that. I don't know what we're talking about. Greg, talk to you then. Bye. Trimble connects the digital and physical worlds, making organizations in agriculture, construction, geospatial, and transportation more efficient, productive, and ready to thrive in the new interconnected world of work. See for yourself at Trimble.com. With Trimble, work works now.